0: good morning it is so good to see you again or at least to be reaching out to you in this format once again we are not in our normal place we all wish we were together in churches but we're not and so we're making the best of it and we know that you are as well i hope that you've already encountered god through the worship that you've heard and uh and are just anticipating hearing a message from him today so my name is janice wood i'm one of the staff pastors here at vineyard community church and i'm so pleased to be bringing you a message today on what is traditionally known as Palm Sunday. So I hope you can catch a little bit of the green behind us as we just think about uh, what that day meant in history folks, it has been a volatile week. It just has. Um, I think we anticipated early in the week that maybe, you know, we'd get some news about whether or not we were making progress against um, the restrictions that we have and the need for those. And instead, we're looking at another 30 days. It's been a big week. And um, and for most of us, that's interrupted our lives. We, I don't even know what day it is. We, we had trouble keeping track of what day uh, we're on, what week we're on. Our routines have been. And completely upended unless you're a medical or essential worker but even then I would suggest that your um, your lives have been turned upside down by either uh a workload, and excess of work that you have to do. Regardless, I think people's emotions are all over the place. You know, it makes me think of that video that went viral a couple years ago. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a mother who is attempting to calm her her toddler who's crying uncontrollably, who wants to see a show. And she's like, you have to stop crying. And this little toddler is going, I'm, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. And, and she said, well, it, it sounds like you're crying. No, I'm laughing. And, and she's obviously still crying. She's still trying to hold it together. But her emotions are are all over the place. And she just keeps falling apart. And finally, she says, I think I'm just a little bit tired. And I'm like, you know, I think we're all a little bit tired. We are tired of this. And most of us want our jobs back. We want our people back. We want our groups back. We want our life back. But we are living in a time of uncertainty. This is just a time of uncertainty. And folks, we are in a series right now leading up to Easter called I see Jesus. And we see Jesus sometimes in uncertainty. So this morning we're going to look back at a character in scripture who saw Jesus in his uncertainty. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and get started. We're going to be working primarily out of Luke 22, but I'm going to give you some background and some historical context before we even get there. Folks, you may feel like you've had a week. I want you to know that the week before Jesus was crucified and rose again. What is traditionally known as Holy Week was a week. It was a volatile week of high and low emotions that just go off the chart. So let's just start at the beginning. On Sunday, Palm Sunday, what was known as that, the first of the week. This is just a day when travelers are coming in. They're heading into Jerusalem to celebrate a religious festival. This is something that Jews did. They came from far and wide, and Jesus came with his disciples for the very same purpose. Now, Jesus is going to fulfill some prophecy. So he calls ahead and he uh, sends his disciples up and he says, Go into the next town. You're going to find a donkey with a colt. Go and bring them to me. And they go and they do that, and that fulfills a prophecy that is found in the Old Testament that a king is going to be riding in on the foal of a donkey. And so that's what he's doing. And while he's doing that, the crowds have gathered. The crowds are starting to yell things like, Hosanna, and uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the of the king. They're laying down robes. They're making a path for him. They're cutting down palm branches. We don't have anybody waving them that we know of, but they're laying them down for him to walk on and, uh, and for him to ride in on. It is nothing less than a parade, a parade, and parades are times of celebration. They're times of anticipation. We're expecting something, and we're we're celebrating something um, huge. And what we're saying is, the best is yet to come. Have you heard that a lot lately? The best is yet to come. What I think is interesting is that all four of the Gospels have this account. Of Jesus riding into Jerusalem. We know it is significant. Every one of the gospel writers included it in their account. But then as Jesus donkey ubers into Jerusalem and gets dropped off at the temple, the tone of the whole thing changes. He marches in for what we think is going to be just a visit to go in and give his sacrifice and do the ritual. And instead he marches in and starts turning over tables and letting out animals, and chasing people out, and talking about these robbers that are in uh, what should be a house of prayer. And and folks, this catches everybody off guard. Nobody has seen this side of Jesus before. So we go from this exhilarating thing to, what is he doing? And, And he begins to do some teaching. It carries on. The festival's a week long, so there people have to go back somewhere and stay for the evening. Jesus ends up chilling with his disciples in various locations, and, um, and he celebrates Passover with them. Now, Passover takes us to a very intimate account. This is not a parade or a celebration. This is an intimate moment where they are... Um, uh, Jesus begins to talk to them about what's going to happen and he washes their feet and he begins to say these cryptic things and if you're like me and I hear somebody say something I don't understand I just kind of pretend I didn't hear it especially if it sounds like bad news and we just keep rolling on past it and the disciples are, are, are not really sure what he's saying they try to clear it up but they don't really know and what Jesus is really saying is the worst is yet to come <laughs> you thought the best was yet to come the worst is yet to come and he's preparing them for this So at this point, the disciples, Peter in particular, who's our character for today, begin to declare their loyalty to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, no, you're talking about bad things. Trust me, we are with you. We are with you, heart and soul. We're there for you. You've got a friend in me. Can't you just hear toy story? You've got a friend in me, Jesus. We're never going to leave you. And here's how Matthew begins to talk about it. I sent you to Luke, and I'm going to jump there in a moment, but let me read first out of Matthew's account. 26:31-35 Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after that I have risen. After I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me 3 times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all of the other disciples said the same. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. That's what I meant. This is how Luke says it. Luke 22, 31 through 34. Simon, Simon. By the way, Peter had an extra name. His name is Simon Peter. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers but he replied lord i am ready to go with you to prison and to death and jesus answered i tell you peter before the rooster crows today you will deny three times that you know me now i for one just love peter's heart here he even if the rest of the guys are losers he's saying don't put me in that group I'm the one who's going to stay with you. Don't give up on me. Don't predict my failure. I promise you I'm going to be there. He has the best of intentions and he puts it out there for everybody to hear. Because before the worst of times, we have the best intentions, don't we? Before the worst of times, we're like, yes, I'm there for you, man. I will never leave your side. Frankly, this is what people say at weddings. This is what people say at weddings. We promise things. We say, I choose you, I'll never leave, no matter what. And then we come up with a list of what's, right? In sickness or in health, for richer or for poorer, for better or for worse. See, health, richer and better are easy gigs. But when the other things happen, when the worst happens, that's when our intentions begin to fail. We're all better at promises when there is no pressure. But then the worst happens a spouse walks out, um, somebody falls into addiction, somebody spends all the money, our spouse looks older than the day we married him. Who knew that was going to happen? You know, when all of these happens, that's when, when all of those things happen, that's when we find out what we're made of. That's when life becomes uncertain. It's similar to your first-of-year goals, right? We all had these great goals. We set out the first-of-year. We're going to eat better. We're going to read our Bibles more. We're going to keep our houses cleaner. We're going to do all these things. And we just had more time and more energy. We would do all these things. And I'm telling you, for the past few weeks, we've had time. How's that going for you? You know what I mean? There, we have good intentions before things happen. Before the worst of times, we have the best intentions. But here's what I don't want you to miss. Jesus anticipated Peter's failure. He anticipated Peter's failure. He says, for I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Peter's failure didn't catch Jesus off guard. He was rooting for Peter. He was hoping that Peter wouldn't fail. But he not only anticipated Peter's failure, he anticipated Peter's repentance. He says, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He anticipated the failure, but he also anticipated the repentance. See, God not only knows when we're going to mess up, he's already preparing us for what comes next. He's already preparing us. God is always preparing us for what comes next. Now, our sin is not just like the cost of, of doing business. That's not, God, God isn't just counting on us to do the sin part. He's not anxious for us to fall down on the job. But when we do... He is there, and he is ready to pick us up and to forgive us. So to Peter, he says, the worst is yet to come, but I have plans for you that you don't even know about yet. You don't even know about that. So here's your takeaway. Don't waste a single lesson in hard times. Let's not waste a single lesson in these hard times. Do you feel like we're never going to function as a community together again? Do you feel like this isolation will never end. Do you feel like you're going to emerge with one less family member? Maybe you lose someone to this sickness. Maybe you lose someone because you all can't stand one another in one house. Don't waste this time. Let's don't just put our head down and try to just tunnel through to the other side. We, we dare not think this time is worthless. We cannot think this time is worthless. There are things to be learned in isolation and solitude. There is patience to be developed. There is joy to be be found. There is peace to be discovered and to give away to others. We may well be defined as a generation by how we handle this time. Future generations are gonna look back in history at this moment, at this pandemic and say, how did those folks handle that? What exactly were they doing? Let's make sure that those generations learn that we treated each other well during these times. Now, finally, Peter has his last moment where we know that he saw Jesus, the worst of times. And what's happened is uh, Jesus has gone out into the garden. Judas has come to betray him. And, uh, and Luke picks up the story in Luke 22:54 through 62. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest about an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. I love Matthew's account. Matthew says, because he has an accent. I love it. I don't know what Peter sounded like. Maybe he sounded like he was from Kentucky. I don't know. But he had an, a- an accent. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. and The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Luke is the only one to include this phrase where the Lord looked at Peter. But I believe it's important because I think it means that they locked eyes. The Lord not only saw Peter, but I believe that Peter saw Jesus in his uncertainty. He saw him there, and this is the moment when Peter becomes completely aware of his sin. This is when he becomes completely aware of the failure of his best intentions, of his inadequacies, where he's disappointed in himself, where he's filled with remorse, and where I bet he wishes he had a second chance. When have you seen Jesus and become so aware of your own shortcomings? When have you seen Jesus and been so desperate to have a second shot at something, When have you been so sorry for what you've done and you haven't known what to do next? Folks, this is Easter. This is what Easter is about. That's why Jesus came. So that we can be forgiven of all of those things that we know we have done, that we shouldn't have done. Where we can have our sins cast as far as the east is from the West, where Jesus gave his life for us. That is Easter. And we're going to learn more about that next week. So I'm not going to give give that away in case you don't know, but you need to pay attention to that. Easter is coming. But for Peter, this is the last time he sees Jesus face to face. After this, Peter kind of disappears out of the narrative uh, during the, the trials, during the crucifixion, and we don't really see him again until after Jesus has uh, raised from the dead because during this time, except for John, who appears to have some sort of political immunity and is able to stay close to Jesus, the rest of the disciples are left with completely dashed hopes, and they, uh, their dreams are shot, their leader is dead, their freedom to move about openly is gone. And so listen to what they do and see if this sounds familiar. They huddle together. They shelter in place. They stay home. They isolate. And they don't know what to do next. They don't know how to stay busy. They don't know what they're going to do because their job is gone. Their, Their leader is missing. They do not realize that salvation is nigh. That's King James for near. Salvation is near. They have no idea what's happening. They are stuck in their uncertainty. What will the world be like on the other side of this? You know, their plans are dashed, funerals are held, they have grieved. Whoever is running the Google Calendar for the disciples' uh, arrangements, their tour schedule is now filled with cancellations. They've got holes everywhere. Their headliner is gone, everything is postponed for good, it seems. Things will never be the same, everything is canceled. On crucifixion day. The problem is, they don't see what's next. They don't see that Sunday is coming, resurrection is coming. Now, don't get me wrong. There are real losses in times like this. This comes with real losses. They are recognizing, they are grieving the loss of Jesus' presence, that he's right there. They're grieving the loss of one of their members, Judas. One of the original is, is going to be gone from them. They're missing the camaraderie they have as this gang on the road where they're running around ministering together. They have a loss of a job. Many of them are going to go back to their earlier occupations. They don't know what to do. They have lost the dream of an earthly kingdom. Nothing is going to look the same on the other side of this uncertainty, but it is replaced with a mission to win the world. Do you see that the birth of Christianity comes on the heels of these losses, on the heels of these disappointments? Doesn't it make you wonder just a little bit what God has in store for us? What new mission or direction is he taking us into? What new mission are we being funneled and forced into that we can't even see on the other side of this? Folks, dark times are refining times. We dare not we dare not waste this. These are the times that we'll test our mettle, so to speak. We learn hard things in tough times that we will never learn any other way because we're too hard-headed, because we're too self-sufficient, we're too self-absorbed, we're too lazy to learn these things any other way. Well, we all just got a mighty timeout in society. We all got sat in a corner for a little bit. And I know medical staff and essential personnel are perhaps not feeling that, and, and I hear you, but there are many of us that aren't terribly essential. You could put us in a pine box and the planet will carry on. And we're having to learn some things. What's going to come after these dark times? What will come on the heels of our disappointment? I hope that like Peter, we will learn that God is not done with us. Even when we deny him, even when we overreact, like Peter, when he takes a swing with his sword at one of the guys who comes to arrest Jesus, and Jesus is like, calm down. Now, Peter's all about it then, but he scatters after they arrest Jesus. I hope we learn that God isn't done with us when we overestimate our, our own loyalty, when we uh, run to save our own skin. I think that God is not done with us even when we give up on his power even when we feel like he's forgotten us or our loved ones. God is not done with us, he's preparing us for something brand new. Will the world be different in 30 days or more? I expect so. Will we be different in 30 days? I hope so. I hope that we will emerge from this dark time And with God's help, we emerge better. I hope that we are more resolved to face the mission that God has for us. I hope that like Peter, we can say, I saw Jesus in my uncertainty and that he was preparing me for what was next. Folks, Easter is coming. Salvation is near. And if you've been discouraged during these past few weeks and and who of us haven't been? I hope you are leaning into Jesus. This is a time to lean into him, not lean away from him. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. All of the answers lie with him. I think we have learned that all these answers we don't have. We have learned that absolutely everything is temporal, haven't we? Everything is temporary. Our jobs, our health, our restaurants, our, our community, everything. Everything is disposable. The only thing that is worth leaning on is Jesus during this time. And I hope that you've been trusting and leaning into him. Can I pray for you as we close? Father, we just come to you in this unsettled time. God, as much as we feel unprepared and and don't know what's going to happen next, we know that you already had this on the calendar. You already knew this was going to happen, and you know what's on the other side you know the losses that we are facing, and you know how you are going to provide and sustain and carry forward on the other side. So Father, I pray that you would just relieve and comfort hurting hearts today. I pray that those that are are giving up hope can lean into you. God, I pray that you can allow us not to waste a single moment of this dark, dark time that we are in, that you will give us the compassion that we need for each other, that you'll give us the kindness to, uh, to be around people who are processing this differently than we're processing it. God, I pray this would be an opportunity for us to reach people who perhaps would never have come in the door of a church, but they might turn this on and listen and hear you and be drawn closer to you in these moments. God, we just ask that you would intervene and that you would use whatever methods you have to reach more people and that we would be faithful in carrying out your work. I ask all these things in your name. Can I also just encourage you that if you are going through a hard time during the season and you would really like to know that someone is praying for you, can I send you over to our live prayer chat that's going on on Sunday mornings during our regular service times? We're staffing that between 9 30 and 12 30. You can always send a prayer request in via our um, webpage at vineyardrichmond.com. But if you go over there right now, you will find the green chat button on the first window that you pop up there. And someone is on the other in you don't have to look at them they don't have to look at you but you can just type out what your need is and they will pray for you right there they've got scripture prepared to share share with you and you will know that someone is meeting you in real time this morning we are here as a church to reach out and minister to you so i just encourage you if you need that this morning head over to vineyardrichmond.com and get some prayer